0: Welcome to the Next Best
1: Podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman, 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America and twice Mr. Universe, and Chris Daniels, Time Magazine even named him Person of the Century.
0: Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the Next Best Podcast. Well, Chris, you know what they say, you are never really attractive until you're dating someone else. (laughs) And that seems to be an awfully relevant comparison to what's happening with the Seattle Sonics. What do you even call this now? Uh,
1: as As the puck turns, as the ball goes down the court, as the ball spins. It's a soap opera. It's been a topic for us as a sidebar
0: on the podcast for months. Now it's headline, front page news, because of the developments over the past week. This is strange. I feel terribly, terribly conflicted, and we'll talk about my point of view from the fans' perspective in a moment, but obviously nobody has been all over this uh, situation more than you for a decade. Sorry. Uh, that 11 years, that but who's counting? Right. If you were to count, it has been 11 mm-hmm. years. Uh breaking news really this week as uh, it seems like just two weeks ago a lot of us were discounting the arena key arena effort because it seemed like there was some conflict of interest it didn't maybe make sense from a traffic perspective and to disrupt that neighborhood and all of that but all of a sudden a week or two later it's a very different situation where we have glossy proposals and pictures and renderings and how do you explain all of this? I know you've been living and breathing uh, it for the past couple of days. Uh,
1: well, living and breathing it for 11 years, ever since I can remember standing out in front of Key Arena in 2006 when Clay Bennett bought the team Oy. and realizing uh, you know, I think a lot of people Googled who the heck is Clay Bennett back in 2006, and I pull up an Oklahoman article talking about NBA ownership and a, a quote from Clay Bennett then saying the key – to NBA ownership is local ownership, and I knew then, reading that out in front of Key Arena, that it was over <laughs> in Seattle, uh, and, you know, he, he made a half-hearted attempt to look at a Key Arena renovation, and, you know, it, it's funny, the circle of life, here we are back again talking about Key Arena, thought to be, uh, in some respects, uh, a graveyard, uh a, a building that is uh, depending on who you talk to some people want to say it was it's new as of 1995 others want to say it was new in 1962 yeah uh but but here we go uh once again back into key arena and you know even even a year or two years ago three years ago there was all this uh, talk about well you know instead of building in soto maybe we should look at it and nobody serious came forward and uh, it was kind of used as a stalking horse or a, a way to um, a, a way to try and kill the the Soto Arena, just keep talking about Key Arena and the potential there. And there was an AECOM yeah. report that said it could be renovated for $285 million. We said
0: before it seemed like a game of kick the can, and, which was a game when I played the kid. You just kind of keep it in motion. It seemed like it was just out there as an outlier. And like you said, if anything, I think a lot of, certainly from the fan side, It really felt like this key arena was being used as uh, well. Hey, we got this perfectly good arena over here that we could do something with, and then you say, "Well, what happened? When did it suddenly become
1: this great option?" So, what changed is in uh, May of last year when Chris Hansen's street vacation proposal was rejected by one vote, and it's it's funny. Uh, I was talking with Lisa Thompson, our community relations director, about. There's so many almosts in this story. Yeah. Uh, Whether it be the Phoenix Coyotes almost moving here uh, based on one vote. Right. Uh, The street vacation, one vote. Uh, I mean, there's so many almosts uh, in this story. Uh, And you've archived them all. We should preface
0: this whole thing by saying that. If you're one of those people who wants to get deep into the weeds, you want to know exactly who said what and where and what the numbers are, what the renderings look like. Obviously, you've been all over it on yeah. Twitter and all of that, but King5.com is where you have post a lot of these interviews that you've done. So if you're one of those people and you want to really know and you want to get into it, go there and check all of that out. Yes.
1: And uh, so in May, with this n- narrow rejection of the street vacation petition, the mayor said to Chris Hansen, the mayor and Chris Hansen talk, and you know, Mayor Murray says, Hey, can I, can I check out Key Arena? Would you mind? I know we have this agreement. I mean, I'm paraphrasing what the conversation was believed to be. But the mayor says, Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm still committed to you, still committed to the terms of the MOU. Would you mind if I have conversations with people about Key Arena? And Chris Hansen says, Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I've looked at it. He says, Right. Go ahead, look at it. I don't mind, and we can talk again later about Soto. Well, within a couple of months, the, the mayor makes some inquiries and finds out that there's two legitimate firms uh, that are are willing to talk about it and, and willing to uh, investigate it and invest money. One of them has been in Seattle helping to operate that building for years in AEG. Uh, and, and the way timing works out, the, the former head of AEG, Tim Laiwicki has started up his own company. He's got history. Uh, the former The former head of AEG. He was working in Toronto after that uh, with the Maple Leafs, and, and he said, "Hey, here's a project that that maybe we can use as our uh, linchpin to really get going with our organization." So uh, the timing was there for these two groups to say, "Hey, yeah, let's let's look into it." And that that led us to yesterday, where they they yeah. they showed that they have clearly uh, done their research. Uh, I, I think you can say that one group has perhaps done more than the other uh, in, in terms of their studies on that site, uh, based on what they presented yesterday. Uh, but but these two things look legitimate, and, and I'll I'll just kind of run it down uh, some of the the stats because yeah, I, and I know there's a lot of Sonics fans and NBA fans who
0: have disconnected themselves. I understand. I would be too. I, I yeah. know. I did for years. I was so upset by this whole situation. Uh, As we've mentioned before, you and I sort of officially worked together for the first time in a comedy sketch (laughs) I wrote about what happened to Squatch, and that aired years ago. Uh, I've probably done more comedic pieces on the Sonics than anything else I've ever written for because it was almost a way of dealing with my pain and agony over it and – in a roundabout way, got to befriend Sean Kemp, and that was like the thrill of a lifetime for right. me because of the you know the highlights that he brought to my junior high life uh, in the in you know the early '90s certainly. So I know there's a lot of people who are disconnected and they don't even know these names, nor should they probably even bother to. You know, right. they're hearing Lie Wiki and they're hearing uh, Chris Hansen. Which one is he? Oh, he's the Soto guy. There's a lot of people who don't get it and don't want to because we've been kind of yanked along for. Eleven years, if you're counting, yeah, as you said. <laughs> you're counting. So there's really not even two camps anymore. One camp used to be Chris Hansen's group with star power of Russell Wilson attached mm-hmm. here in Sodo, uh, essentially the neighborhood that we operate out of here, across from Safeco Field. King Five overlooks the territory that Chris Hansen now owns, yeah. uh, which you know, at face value, seems like a bit of an irrelevant part of Sodo. Old, aged, rusting buildings. I think there's barnacles on some of them. (laughs) Uh, I'm not saying they're not viable businesses. Of course there are. But there is room around here to spread out. So it seems at face value like, yeah, what's the problem? It seems like that's even the fan reaction is, yeah, great. This guy's going to gobble that up. We've seen his renderings. Beautiful. It's going to be this big complex. All the stadiums are there together. Makes sense. Key Arena, everybody knows and is familiar with. But we've already watched a team get yanked out of there and by, you know, everything we read and heard was, well, it was just an outdated arena. It's just irrelevant. We couldn't do it. And so now to say that that very same space is, oh no, no, we've got it figured out. We've got it figured out. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to work. Here's our renderings. It just seems awfully confusing, and again, I feel like a lot of fans, and that I'm terribly conflicted because it's what what wonderful news to say. why we, well, we've got three different groups right. fist fighting to say no? We're going to bring the Sonics back, in theory, uh, or at least build an arena.
1: I, I, I think I can speak to why people are conflicted on this. One, uh, yeah, to answer your question about hey, it could never work, and all of a sudden now it can work with th- this roof. That's one of the takeaways from yesterday is the city had asked these companies, come back to us with one project with the historic roof intact, one project without the roof, and they both came back and said, we only have a plan A, and that is to keep the original roof. Right. In one case, extending it a little
0: bit. And back. in a nutshell was to keep the roof, to keep some of the columns, but
1: to now dig down, right, to right. dig down and, and wide. And we can get into that. But uh, the reason why I think that there are people like you that are, are muted, and, I, and I've heard it and I, I see the response on social media, is because people want their Sonics back and they want their NHL team now. Right. Right. And the scenario with Soto versus anything in Key Arena allows that to happen quicker. That's still the big chip that Chris Hansen has if he can play it. Is if the NBA or the NHL were to say, tomorrow, we want to bring a team to Seattle, that's not going to happen. But if they were to say, tomorrow, we want to bring a team to Seattle, that would trigger construction. That team would play at Key Arena and everything's hunky-dory. That was part of the original plan. There's a place for the teams to play on a temporary basis while the other place is built. Why I think people have this kind of, well, this is great, but also not great reaction is if you go down the road of Key Arena and a project there, you're still looking three, four, five, six years down the
0: road. They've mentioned numerous times 2020, which seems close enough to go, ooh, that's exciting, but far enough to go, mm. We've heard this before. I mean, we just watched Big Bertha take four years when it was going to take less than two. And so, I mean, this this city is familiar to I don't want to say empty promises, but uh, I would have a hard time getting excited if they say, "Hey, it's
1: 2020." I go, "I'll believe it when I see it." I I don't think it can legitimately happen by 2020. I think that that calendar is 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 not accurate in the sense that this. This whole process, even for, if they go down this road with Key Arena, if the city goes down this road with Key Arena, they have to go through all these meetings. There's all these meetings scheduled through the rest of the year. Uh, there's still the lingering question of whether the street vacation plays into that or not for Soto. But if they just go down the Key Arena uh, Avenue and, and study it and sign off on on going forward with Key Arena, you still have traffic studies, environmental studies before there's any sort of construction. There's still, will there be legal challenges that slowed up? And then as far as AEG is concerned, they say it's a 24 to 26-month construction process. So when you start adding that all up, it's difficult to see a scenario when you open by 2020. Right. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the reason why I think people are muted is this kind of conflict of of when would you actually see a team. And after all these years of waiting, um, there are people who who want to have basketball here that, that still feel like the city was robbed. Uh, but in terms of the actual the actual offers as they stand right now right. Um, slightly different and I think that's why I say one group appears to have done a little bit more research at least on the surface uh, from what we heard yesterday than the other. So AEG is saying they can do it for 500. Again, go back to AEcom they said this could be done for 285 million huh uh, AEG says 500 million OVG says 562. Uh, AEG says they'll put $5 million into traffic. OVG says they'll put $20 million into charity organizations, 10 of which to youth care over the course of a lease. This is the big difference is AEG says they would dig down. Um, right. Again, that's what happened with Key Arena versus the Seattle Center Coliseum. AEG says they would dig down and out, so they'd create essentially a subterranean concourse underneath the current surface. How very Seattle, to have a subterranean (laughs) Subterranean. layer that the Sonics play in. Very Paul Allen. And that by adding an extra 15 feet uh, at the depth, that allows them to get uh, the needed uh, space in terms of seating. AEG says they would not build a new parking garage. OVG, Oakview, says they'd build an uh, 800-spot parking garage in addition to this. Uh, AEG again says 24 to 26 month construction cycle. OVG saying three years after everything's approved. Uh, AEG is saying they can bank this, them, uh, bankroll this themselves. They've teamed up with Hudson Pacific Properties, and I want to get into that, yeah. um, which is a twist in, in this entire arena soap opera. Sure. Uh, but they they're already floating something they're calling a public financing concept. Uh, what that exactly means? Nobody's sure yet. And then OVG is saying they're backed by Madison Square Garden and Goldman Sachs, but they're looking for tax breaks. Both uh, groups are saying seventeen thousand or so for hockey, eighteen thousand or so for basketball. Right. Uh, but uh, what's interesting is, so OVG is saying they can dig down to make this happen, and. The AEG group with Hudson Pacific, they're calling themselves Seattle Partners, believes that if they just blow out the walls on the east and west sides and then extend to the south and extend the roof to the south, they can accomplish all this and get the same amount of people. So something doesn't add up there. If one group thinks they have to dig and dig a tunnel underneath uh, one of the roads there, Thomas, to get to the other side of the road to build... Uh, the ingress egress for trucks and loading docks. There's one loading dock right now. Both yeah. groups say they'd build eight loading docks, but there's some similarities, but some big differences. And, and uh, that's, what's going to have to be worked through. I was saying the, t- the twist. So AEG, the the day before this big announcement, uh, we did an interview with them and they announced, hey, we've got a great new partnership, Seattle Partners. We're going to team up with Hudson Pacific Properties. And Immediately, the bell went off in my head what that meant. Real estate company, a lot of commercial real estate. They own uh, tens of thousands of square feet here in hundreds of thousands of square feet here in the Seattle area, but primarily California holdings, Seattle uh, area holdings. There's a holding in Linwood. Um, and this has been... This has been their background as a publicly traded company, right? And you say, well, why would they? Why would they get involved in an arena project? They've got no arena background. And the light bulb immediately went off in my head that the CEO is a guy named Victor Coleman, yeah, who uh, has been here in the past. His name has been uh, talked about at City Hall because he wants to own an NHL franchise. And he was he, kind of part of the Tukwila effort, right? No, no, he, he was uh, he was here in Seattle, met with uh, Mayor Ed Murray, was uh, joined by NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, the Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. It was this big meeting. Uh, the mayor has basically at the, in the past had signed off on him saying he's a great guy and will be good for the Seattle community. He just needs to work out a deal with Chris Hansen. And so Chris Hansen and Victor Coleman had said both. Yeah, we've got a non-binding kind of handshake agreement to to work together in soda, and they could never find a legitimate deal. And uh, there was clearly uh, some back and forth there where it was it was obvious to me that they uh, their relationship had frayed, and and so now Victor Coleman's company is teaming up with AEG hmm. to make something happen at Key Arena. It's kind of a little knife twist in all this and a little, well, a twist in the whole saga and the soap opera. But Coleman is, is now going to work to try and make something happen elsewhere as opposed to with Chris Hansen. Right.
0: Well, and you can't help but wonder if some of this is in response to Chris Hansen's Soto effort and when he you know, dropped the news that Russell Wilson was now going to be a part of this group. That star power alone kind of gave it a pulse again. It got everybody excited again. Right. Um, The timeline just seems interesting because you go from that to, you know, the whole Occidental, you know, and then we're going to put in two dead ends and all of that. And these things that just these little roadblocks that, as a fan, keep getting so frustrating where you felt like, man, it just feels like there's powers at work here who just don't, for whatever reason, want to allow this Soto thing to happen even though we've got a guy with the money and the property saying, look, I'll do this for you I'll do it. let's do it let's go give me give me the sign
1: well and, and that was part of this you know high stakes game uh, when when Hansen knew that these when the RFP was going to be opened up, they went private uh, all private right th- said basically let's tear up the MOU, uh, made the move with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think there's people at City Hall who have acknowledged to me that that was a pretty good PR move uh, to bring in Absolutely. Russell Wilson, uh, and yeah, they, they they've had uh, more energy with that group. In fact, you know, last week they they cleared a hurdle down at the design commission, uh, which is when when you refile for a street vacation petition like that. There's certain things that you need to go through uh last year the years before that they'd gone through all these meetings th- with the design commission which is made up of you know architects and planners right. um, it's a layer of government but when they when they refiled this they had to do it go through this again they had to present it again over a 3 hour meeting and <laughs> Uh, almost unanimously approved by the design commission. So they clear this hurdle that allows SDOT to continue on with the street vacation petition and refile it with the city and, and the council. So that was a hurdle. So they've had, they've, they've kind of been working behind the scenes and, and yeah, there there was a well, and simultaneously, simultaneously. there was uh, you know news from uh, some conflict of
0: interest with the port. Of course, you were reporting on that—the yeah. ownership of or uh, operating the monorail—and uh, yeah, that would very clearly be a conflict of interest—a a direct line that goes to Seattle Center and nowhere else. Um, so that to me seemed like yet another step to say, okay, all right, we're getting closer; things are starting to finally line up for Hanson, and it seemed like. Almost out of nowhere. These two groups for Key Arena presented concrete plans about a week later to go, here we go, here's the glossies, here's what it's going to look like. And now the momentum seems to have swung a complete other direction. Oh, yeah, no. It, and that's why I feel conflicted. It should be great news to say, good, as long as we get a team back. And I know that's how some people feel. I guess I'm getting old because I look at it as a fan who wants them back no matter what. But Also looking in the mirror and saying, would I go to games if they were at Key Arena with traffic now? I don't go to Seattle Center now, currently, because of how bad traffic is. They cannot pretend that, hey, we've had an arena there. Why don't we have one now? Things are different. In the last 10 years, the Mercer mess. Amazon love them, but, man, it's made that whole area just insane. Facebook is not terribly far away. You know, that area has changed dramatically with that the demographics and the people who've moved here have come I can't help but wonder if the fans would show up at Seattle Center because it's easy to say we can make it work it's shiny and it's new but if it's a 2-hour nightmare for people to get out of there that might happen once I've I won't even I won't even mention but there's a local concert venue and outdoor space and I had such a horrible experience getting in and out of that I I won't even consider going back yeah And you know, I mean, not that you want convenience to be the reason that you choose, but it should be a pretty
1: significant thing. Well, I think what you're saying is, if this, if these two projects came along in 2011, 2012, uh, you'd probably be more excited about it because there wasn't all that construction there, uh, and and the Soto uh, effort uh, did not exist yet. I mean, that at that point, 2011, 2012, it was just a few years after the Sonics left. It also looked like. Chris Hansen may have a line, and his group Steve Ballmer at the time on the Sacramento Kings.
0: And there was a lot of uh, outlying cities. You remember at yeah. one point in time it was going to be on the east side. We're going right. to be over maybe maybe in Bellevue. Ooh, right. rumors of Bellevue, and then they got to figure out access to, you know, four hundred five and all of that. And maybe maybe Tuckwilla, maybe Renton. What do we, you know? And so yeah. yeah, it's just bizarre how long it's taken, and that now we're right back to where we started with the idea that we're going to be able to bring in one of these groups, dump in some money, and. All the problems will be solved when again i haven't you know dove into the info as much as you have but even at face value i know a good friend of mine who was longtime season ticket holder in fact we all tease him for the fact that he would he would leave social he had a christmas party at his house and suddenly left in the middle of it and we said where are you going he said me and my dad are going to the science game we still tease him about this you know 15 years later because he was that loyal to the team I asked him about it. I said, hey, man, is this a weird twist with this whole Key Arena thing? And and he said pretty much what I'm thinking is I just don't get how it would make any sense. I don't get how it would add up. I, I heard they're going to put in 800 parking spaces for 18,000 people. What's that going to do? How are you going to even
1: get to those spaces? How are you going to get out of that parking garage? Well, and, and the one thing that really was not answered yesterday, uh, I mean, these— these sketches kind of blow you away. Designs kind of blow you away, and the fact that they're talking out of the out of the gate about no public risk, right? Um, and there's a lot of parsing of words there because again, I think we still need to figure out all the, the finances on things. But transportation, uh, nobody nobody in, in the RFP that we've seen, and and, and these are going to be like. 800 900 page documents right. that um, that you'll get to read that that we'll get to read and, and maybe this there there will be more information but um, there there is going to be an issue there is going to be an issue with transportation um, and these two groups yesterday kind of gave vague uh, vague descriptions of their plans. There's uh, potentially you know signalization on some of these roads. When the tunnel goes away, three new roads will open up to Key Arena. There is the potential for apps that can tell you if there's parking spaces. Uh, there is the monorail, and that that's all part of their vision. But in terms of a hardcore transportation plan, getting people in and out, I don't think that uh, this initial proposal is going to have it uh, from these two groups based on what they said yesterday. And and that's where I think I I've made the joke with people. There's going to be a, a fight in the streets, on the streets, about the streets uh, right. when you start talking about Soto and Lower Queen Anne. I heard uh, Bob Newman of uh, AEG talking
0: about uh, how the area has changed. He was kind of being... You know, asked about that very issue and said, "Yeah, it's changed a lot. Of these neighborhoods, and uh, you know, from from Queen Anne to Capitol Hill and all these these thriving communities." And and I think it'll be fun. I actually heard him say, "I think it'll be fun for people to to make their way through those neighborhoods on the way to the game." And to me, I kind of couldn't help but chuckle because I thought it sounded like a real estate agent, you know, right. who takes you to an old place with grass on the roof and goes, "Oh, look at this rustic charm! Can you believe that? Isn't that rustic?" Uh, but I will play Devil's Advocate. It seemed advocate. like it was spin to say, "Ah, let's put, let's
1: it'll be great for you to walk through three cities just to get to Key Arena. I, I will play devil's advocate in that <clears throat> when the when the tunnel is fully operational and the battery street tunnel goes away and those three streets are connected, if you can have the vision of being able to stand like where our where our old station was at King 5, you can see Key Arena from there. There is the argument to be made that people can park in buildings like the Am- in the Amazon corridor and walk to Key Arena, but you're going to have the same argument against that that people have had in Soto, which is, are they going to want to do that in the winter months right. when it's raining, uh, walk what could be several blocks to get to the arena? In a lot of cities, people are not afraid to do that. Right, uh, But... You, know. you and I went
0: tailgating with the Seahawks in Phoenix, and we saw. Oh, they they can just tailgate even in the off season. They, yeah. they you know, yes, we're not blessed with that kind of weather, and it, it's like it or not. I mean, it's it really is seemingly the biggest issue. Is okay, that's great if you can prove and you've got blueprints and you've got the, the numbers. Everything makes sense in terms of renovating, rebuilding key arena. But how are we going to get in and out of there until somebody can present? something concrete that seems realistic that everybody goes, "Yeah, oh, okay, that would work." It just seems like a bit of an impasse and even though the momentum seems to totally have swung towards Key Arena over the past week, I can't help but wonder how long until everybody comes back down to earth and says, "Okay, the new the new arena smell has worn off. Now let's answer some of these questions that are lingering." We're probably in game 2 of the <laughs> Arena Finals here hey, in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Again, if you guys want to dive into it, Chris has been all over it like no one else. Go to king5.com and follow the saga. Chris, at some point you're just going to have to do like a daily vlog. A daily vlog? A daily update. We'll think about it. All right. Good job, dude. On Twitter and Instagram at NextBestPod.
1: You stay classy,
0: web surfers, whoever and whatever you are. Now, this is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast.